Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. If you got your Bible with you today, open it with me to the book of Mark, the fourth chapter. I've got so much good information to share with you today about life, about the kingdom of God, about you, about me, about other people, help you to understand sometimes other people's behavior, huh? Maybe even your own behavior. Uh-oh. All right. That's okay. Amen. We're looking at this great parable. We're studying it in detail. This is our third lesson and uh, we're breaking it down and going through it. The goal being, the purpose being, is to turn ourselves into good ground. Good ground. Look at the eighth chapter. Jesus talks about it. And he said, and some fell on good ground, good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. You remember, those who have been here, I've said to you, that word increase means that, that your life ascends from a lower level to a higher level. I think that all of us that are here today want our lives to ascend. How many of you want a better life, right? You want to live a better life? How many of you want to be better people, better husband, better wife, better friend, better parent, better grandparent, whatever, right? Come on, talk to me. Amen. We want to ascend. Now, what causes our lives to ascend is the word in us because we are good ground bringing forth an increase and bringing forth fruit in our lives. So he said, and that word increases and brings forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. So the, the potential is there. Now, we've discovered in our previous teachings that good ground isn't found, it's made. Amen. All right? Good ground isn't found, it's made. If you were to leave here today or you, or you know what I'm talking about and go down here in the valleys and look at all the farms down there, those farmers that farmed that land, they didn't just driving down the road and went, wow, look at that field, it's ready. No, they made it that way. Can I hear good amen today? They made that good ground. They had to make that good ground. And a lot of times to make the good ground, some things have to happen. Number one, you've got to work it. You've got to plow it. You've got to do some things with it, right? You've got to break it up. You've got to get stuff that's in it out of it. You got to get things that are in it out of it. Stumps, rocks, you got things out of it. Sometimes you have to come into that ground because of the makeup of the ground and you got to put some new soil in it. Got to put some new soil in it, right? To counteract some of the minerals or things that are there and also to add some new nutrients. How many of you agree with what I'm saying to you today, right? So good ground isn't found, it's made. Now, Jesus wants all of us to be good ground. He desires for me and you, my family, your family, us as church family, to bring, for his word to bring forth fruit and increase in our lives at a rate of 30, 60, and 100, right? To bring forth. So let's go back and let's look. Uh, you know what? Let's just jump ahead. Let's just go straight to Jesus' explanation of this parable. So, Let's go to verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. You remember there I said to you that the term sower sows means the teacher disseminates understanding. The sower, the teacher disseminates understanding. The sower sows the word. The word there means the emphatic word. I want to emphasize to you again today. 
that this word is not to be looked at like other word that is in the earth. This word is an emphatic word. It's not a suggestion. It is truth. It is wisdom. It is spoken from God's authority. Now, that's the way God wants us to see it. But I have to decide to see it that way. Too often, people look at the word and they look at it like they would the word of a friend or a lawyer or a doctor. When in truth, it is to be above that word. Right? It is God's word. It is spoken emphatically. Amen? So I need to receive it that way. Not here to argue whether I believe it or not, but to receive it. Okay? Now, let's continue. He said, And the sower sows the emphatic word. And these are they by the wayside where the word was sown. But when they have heard or when they have understood the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So what we see in this parable is we see four different kinds of soil or four different kinds of human heart. All of which, there's three that are not good ground and one that is good ground. The three that are not good ground could become good ground. All right? They can be made into good ground. Does that make sense to you? Just because a part of my life or a part of my heart may be one type of soil now, I don't have to leave it that way. I can change it. I can change it. I can turn it into good ground. All of us can be good ground. Hallelujah. All right? We can all become good ground if we want it, if we desire it, if we're willing to listen to the word and allow the things that are in us that should not be there, that are stopping us from being good ground, to be removed or to be changed. All right? So now, one, the first, we looked at last week in detail that the first kind of soil that he talks about is what we would call hard-hearted. Right? Hard-hearted. Now, how many of you enjoyed last week? We looked at all the characteristics of hard-heartedness. And we discovered that it is around us much more than maybe we thought it was. And we saw it and it explained a lot of behavior, didn't it? Amen? And so, I'm not going to go back over that all again today, all right? Because then we won't get into the new things that we need to look at. But suffice it to say that there is a lot of damage that has been done because of hard-heartedness. Hard-heartedness. Okay? And so I pray that, that if, if God spoke to you last week, that you've been working on it and you're determined to get that hard-heartedness out of your life. Amen? Let's move on to the next one. Right? And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who... When they have heard the word, the understanding comes when the word comes, immediately receive it, what? Receive the word, receive the seed with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time or for a season or it's temporary result, not permanent, temporary, temporary impact. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And then there's the next one. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world cease from riches, lust of other things enter in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So we'll look at that one next week. This week, I, I want us to look at stony ground. 
All right? Now let's look at this. All of us very possibly have had this, have been through this stage or maybe even have this stage working in some area in our life right now. What the Bible calls stony ground. Now notice, stony ground is not as hard as the hard-hearted ground, but there is some hardness in the stony ground because of the rocks or the stones that are in it. But what you also notice about the stony ground is that the, the part of the stony ground received the seed. A part of it received the seed. So it is possible, right, to be good ground, but you've got some stones in it. But the good part of the stony ground can receive the seed and bring forth some fruit. Does that make sense to you? Now, it doesn't bring forth 30, 60, and 100. If you want 30, 60, and 100, you've got to become good ground. But this one does bear some fruit. Notice it said that it, it received the word, embraced it with gladness, huh? Embraced it with gladness. And so there's some fruit being born there. 10%, 12%, 5%. It's not as good as 30, 60, or 100, but I think, I think some fruit's better than no fruit. Amen? And so it bears fruit. But you read it. You saw it for yourself. The problem here is, is that because of the stones that are in the ground, because of the rocks that are in the ground, the fruit is not going to be permanent. It says that it endures but for a time because of the rocks. So it's going to be kind of temporary fruit. And because of the rocks that are in the ground, it says that the seed cannot sink its roots down. It can't take firm hold because of the rocks. And so it, that person's life bears what, what we'll call for study purposes, kind of a surface fruit. Kind of a surface fruit. All right? Are you learning anything? All right, so the word comes, right? And my heart it maybe is not hard-hearted, but I'm not good ground yet either. And what's stopping me from being good ground is the rocks. Now, I looked up that word stony, and one of the definitions of it means rough. Write that down if you're taking notes. Rough ground. So let's talk about how do these stones, what, what can these rocks be? And how can these rocks get in us hmm? that caused me to be stony ground. All right. Now, one of the, one of the, one of the thing characteristics of stony ground people is that they receive the word with gladness. They receive it. They see the value. They see the potential. They see the influence that word can have in their life and they embrace it. And the word comes into our heart but it can't sink down deep roots. It can't get rooted in us. Why? Because the soil's bad? No. Because of the rocks that are in the soil. Because of the stones that are in the soil. Again, again, if you went down and you looked down in the valley and you saw those beautiful farms down there, go ask the farmer if they had to dig some rocks out. I guarantee you they did. 
If they had to get some stones out, I guarantee you they did. You know, I live on the west side of town, and what's interesting over there, and some of you have seen this, particularly up when they're doing construction on the mountain, a lot of times on those construction sites, they'll bring, bring these big grates. They're huge. I can't imagine how much they weigh, right? And they're made, with, made out of iron, and they've got these slats, these iron slats. And then what they do is they take the caterpillars, the backhoes and stuff, and they scoop out the dirt, and they dump the dirt over these grates. And the dirt falls through the grates and the rocks stay on the other side. And by the time they're done with the construction project, they'll have a mountain of rocks. How many of you have seen what I'm talking about, right? Now, do you know why they do that? Obviously why they do it is because the soil's good, but they got to get the rocks out. Hmm? They got to get the rocks out. Amen? So, you know, I may, I may, I may be good soil, and I receive the word, right? I come to church and I go, wow, where's this been all my life? You know, a couple weeks ago, I had a young guy in his 20s come up to me and said, wow, pastor, where has this church been all my life? And I said, we've been right here. <laughs> the question is not where have we been? The question is where have you been? We were here 15 years before you were born. All right, so, you know, we've been here. But I know what he's talking about, right? Notice it again. It says they received the word with gladness, right? Where has this been? The Bible says that? That's incredible, right? And it's like, you know, you come to church and every song is, oh my God, that's the best song ever. No, 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 no. This one's the best song ever. I, I can't make it through praise and worship. I cry every time. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Huh? And it's like every message was just for you. Every message was like, wow. You never know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it's just like, wow. And you know what? I don't think we should ever lose that wowness to our lives when it comes to the things of God. I've been sitting in praise and worship services for 40 years, and I still tear up. You can ask the guys to sit down here with me. I still tear up. I have to wipe my eyes quite often, right? Because I've kept my heart tender. I don't let my heart grow calloused to God. I don't, I don't get to where ah, I've heard that before. Ah, what's the big deal? Ah. No, you got to keep your heart tender. Amen. And so, you know, but I'm talking about this condition of, of seed being sown on stony ground. Now, what are those stones? Okay, you know, I've given some thought to this, you know, and I thought about back to my life, back when, when, when I had parts of my heart that were stony ground, right? And I had, so what's fascinating is, is that your heart can be all four soils at the same time. It's quite amazing. All four at the same time. And, you know, you can be hard-hearted, you can be stony, you can be thorny, you can be good. The goal is, is to become good all the way across. Come on, give me a better amen than that, right? To become good all the way across, right? To recognize the hard-heartedness and not defend it, not justify it, but dig it up, turn it, flip it, put new soil in if I have to, but get that to get the stones out of the stony ground so the good ground isn't being impaired by the rocks, to keep the thorns out of the good ground so the thorns can't choke the word that's in me, keep those thorns out. There's only three of them. Surely I can keep three of them out, right? And to be good ground. Amen. Amen. And watch the word bring forth 30, 60, and 100 in my life. And cause my life to ascend from a lower level to a higher level. Go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. 
Amen. Make sense? And that's what he's talking about here. Okay. So what about this stony ground? You know, are there stones in my life? Are there rocks in my soil that's stopping the word from being able to set down its roots in my heart? And if they are, how do I get rid of them? How do I get them out of my life? All right. So let's back it up. Let's talk about it for a moment. First of all, I want to give you the definition rough. I think that a lot of people get rocks in their heart because of the rough life they lived before they came to God. Because of the rough life they lived. Some of you had to get some rocks in your heart because you were raised in a rough family. You were raised in a rough neighborhood. You were raised in rough schools. You were raised around rough people. There were bad stuff going on around your life. You know, when I was in high school, I had an epiphany in my life. I had a friend of mine came over that I knew. We were 18 and he came to, and, he, and we were together and he stayed at my house and ate dinner with us. And we sat at the table, my mom, my dad, my two brothers, myself and him. And when we got up, he and I were leaving. We were going to go to a movie or something or something. And uh, so we were, <laughs> so we were leaving and I'll never forget. We were walking out to get in the car and he looked at me and he said, I'll never forget. And he looked at me and he said, he said, man, you don't even get how good you got it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, what, he said is that what you all do every night? I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, do you actually sit at a table, all five of you, and eat together? I said, yeah, every night. He said, and no fighting, no screaming, nobody's drunk, nobody throws anything at anybody. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I don't remember one meal in 18 years where all of that and more didn't happen in my house. And I... Sat, I stood there and I looked at him and I looked, I'll never forget, right? I looked down my street and I thought, wow, I thought everybody around here lived like I live. And they don't. So possibly some of you were raised in that kind of atmosphere or you went to rough schools or you were around rough people. You can say amen if you want to. And so as a result of that, some rocks maybe got put into your soil. Does that make sense to you? Hmm? Now rocks manifest in our thinking, in our actions, in our attitudes. But you know what else can be a rock that'll stop the word of God from penetrating in your life? Get ready. Relationships. Sometimes there's some relationships that are in our lives that in fact, let's tell the truth today, that in fact are trying to pull you back from becoming the good ground that God wants you to be. That are trying to pull you back. Come on. That are trying to pull you back. Huh? Not very long ago, I had a, a, a guy come up to me and say, Pastor, please pray for me. And I said, sure. Right? Wasn't even here at church. It was out, outside. He said, please pray for me. I was in a parking lot. And I said, sure. He said, I, I love church and I love Jesus with all my heart. He said, but man, I'm having such a struggle 
Because on the weekends, he said, all my, old, my friends call me and they all want me to go do drugs with them and do go crazy stuff with them. And I'm just really struggling. And I, he said, please pray for me. I said, yeah, okay, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And I, he said, what? I said, quit answering the phone. <laughs> Block their numbers. Amen. And he just looked at me. I said, you didn't want to hear that, did you? I said, you didn't want to hear that. He said, well, no, we've been buds since we were, you know, since we were uh, kids. I said, great, great, happy for you. Good for you. I said, but let's tell the truth today. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm in my 40s. I said, you're in your 40s and you're still running around with idiots. Now they can change. They can change. I'm living proof of that. Anybody can change. But you know, there comes a point in your life where you got to quit acting like an idiot. And if they won't, then you got to quit letting them be rocks in your soil that's stopping the word from penetrating and taking your life to where God wants it to be. It doesn't mean you think you're better than them but it does mean that you want to have a better life. And you'll be criticized for it. You'll be ridiculed for it. They'll make fun of you. They won't invite you to Christmas dinner anymore. Wow. Rocks, we need to get out of the soil. Is that making sense to you today? Hmm, these rocks. Let me come back here and look at my notes, right? So that we receive the word, stony ground receives the word, but it has no root. There's no firm hold. The seed can't take firm hold. Why? Because of the rocks. And sometimes the rocks are there because of the rough life. Old habits, old thinking, old attitudes, right? Hinder the word from getting a firm hold in us. So then what do I have to do? then I've got to be willing and recognize and admit that I need to dig the rocks out. And it's going to take time. It's going to take time to dig those rocks out. It's going to take time to dig them out. All right, but I need to do it. And I can't be, I can no longer be glad, as the Bible said, receive the word glad. I cannot be glad with surface fruit that by nature is temporary. I want to have good ground that brings forth 30, 60, and 100 in my life. All right? Can't, can't be looking for a quick fix. But go through what Romans 12, 2 says and undergo a deep qualitative renewing of the mind. A deep, deep, going to dig those rocks out. Hmm? Those rocks of old habits, old attitudes, old actions, maybe even old relationships that I need to be willing to dig out. Let me tell you what happened to me, right? Some of you have heard me tell this story. It's kind of embarrassing to tell this, but I felt like God wanted me to tell it this weekend, so here we go. All right? Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've shared with you many times, you know, that when I came into the kingdom of God and I really got serious about my walk with the Lord, that one of the areas that I really struggled with was that scripture that says, love your enemies 
Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And I just refused. I just told God, I said, look, I love you and all that, but this is, this is wrong. <laughs> and I said, you know, maybe you can do that. Maybe you can do that. I, I remember one time I said, okay, you can do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grant you the maybe. You can do that, but nobody else can do that. Well, in fact, there were millions of people doing it. I just didn't want to do it, right? And what it was, what it was, and what was amazing was I was bearing fruit in other areas, but in this area, and man, I was struggling. I was really fighting and the seed was not taking root in me. And listen, listen, when persecution and affliction comes, you're going to want that word to have taken root in you. Let me say that again, because Jesus said that it's coming. It's coming to that fruit that's in that stony ground. Persecution and affliction is coming to take the word out of your life. It's coming. And you want that word to have root in you when the sun comes up. Can I hear a good amen today? When the heat gets turned on through persecution and affliction, you're going to want that word to have had root in you. Okay? And so I had to admit and I finally got to thinking, why is my heart this way? And God showed me. If you ask him, he'll tell you. But be ready for him to tell you. Because when he tells you, he's expecting you to deal with it. And he's not going to let you off of that right there. Now you're there. So this is what I discovered. That rock got into me regarding enemies and people trying to hurt me got into me when I was a boy. And it got into me as a boy, as I discovered, because, you know, by the time I was in the 10th grade, my dad was in the army. By the time I was in the 10th grade, I'd been to 10 different schools. Some years I was in three and four schools a year because my dad was moving around, right? And so uh, it just was the nature of the beast that I lived in. And and what I discovered, right, is that I was always the new kid in the school. Does that make sense to you? Now, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. You went to the same schools all your life. You were with the same kids all the time. But so there's a few of you here know what I'm talking about, right? So I was always the new kid in the school. And then what I discovered when I got to about the fourth, fifth, sixth grade is that in every school, there's a bully. And when you're the new kid, and especially the new boy in school, at some point, that bully is going to confront you and he's going to try to bully you. Now, so I share that with you today because some of you are kind of shocked, some of you new parents, to discover that bullying isn't new. <laughs> bullying has been going on since Cain and Abel. <laughs> All right? Now, what's new is that I hope, I think, the schools are handling it better. But back when I was in school, you didn't go tell the principal you were being bullied. You didn't tell anybody. You dealt with it. Now, I'm not saying that's right. In fact, I think it's wrong. But that's how we had, that's how you did it. If, if, when I was a boy, some of you know, some of you were there. If you went and told the principal, I'm being bullied, they'd just go, well, sort it out. And they'd move on to something they thought was important. And so I remember one time I even went to my dad. My dad said, how was your first day of school? I said, it was terrible. There was a bully there. And I said, and I, I, was, I was looking at him and he said, well, fix it. Turn around, walk away. <laughs> so I, I tried two ways. Number one, I tried to appease them. I tried to 
keep them happy. I tried to give in to them. I tried to, to make them happy. That doesn't fix a bully. That emboldens a bully. It doesn't, it doesn't fix them. It makes them worse. Amen. So then uh, I came up with another way. And I'm not saying this way was right. I'm trying to show you how this rock got into my heart concerning my enemies. So when I was about in the fourth or fifth grade, I decided that that, that compromising way wasn't working. I just got more bullied, still got my lunch taken away from me. Still, they still tried to put my head in the toilet, still pull my underwear up. You know, all that stuff they think is so funny, right? And so uh, I decided enough of this. So I came up with a, with a plan. And the plan was, is that I would just wait at lunchtime or recess. And I would wait till the bully locked eyes on me and that here they would come. And they all had the same stupid smirk on their face, right? Like, I'm bad and you need to know how bad I am, right? And they come walking with a couple of their little taggers, alongers with them, right? And so I would just wait and I would wait and they'd come walking, you know, kind of swaggering up to me and I would wait until they got right within arm range and then I would rear back and hit them as hard as I could right here. Because my dad taught me when I was even younger, right? That when you get in a fight, the way to end it is to hit a guy right here because there's nerve endings right there. And what happens is your nose starts bleeding and that blood scares everybody, especially kids. Your nose starts bleeding and better yet, your eyes water and you can't see. So with your nose bleeding and your eyes water and you're in pain and you can't see, now I get to hit you many more times before you can see to hit me. So I spent a lot of my youth in the principal's office. And back in those days, if you went to the principal's for fighting, you got a whooping. They paddled you behind. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. I'd take three, four, five swats because my days of being bullied ended. Yes. Now, on the one hand, you say, oh, good for you, Charles. No, I'm not proud of that, especially because what it produced in me was rock concerning those that were trying to hurt me. And when I got older and I needed to do what the Bible said, I had to take the word of God and dig that rock out and say, that may have worked for a season, but it's not going to work for the rest of my life. That attitude of hardness towards my enemies is impairing the word from bringing forth 30, 60, and 100 fold in my life. So that rock got in. Does that make sense to you? Now, some of you may have gotten rocks in you through other things, but what you got to do now is admit that rock is stopping the word and be willing to dig it up and get it out so your ground can become good ground. So that when the persecution and affliction comes, you don't get offended. Because Jesus said, it's coming. So after you've received the word, see if you don't deal with the rocks, look at it again. After you receive the word, there's a season where you're happy and there's gladness and there's joy in your life. And what I always imagined was the devil just kind of standing over here on the sideline looking at me going, look at Charles. He's all happy. You know, we tried to stop him from getting born again, but he got born again. He tried to stop him getting filled with the Holy Spirit. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now he's getting himself in a good church and he thinks it's just great. Let's see. And here comes affliction. Write it down. You know what, you know what, you know what the, Bible, the Bible defines affliction? Pressure due to circumstances. Pressure due to circumstances. Narrowness of room. Your room narrows. Pressure comes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? You're happy, right? You're happy and you show it. Da, 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 da. Huh? And you get up, you go to work tomorrow. Ooh, it's great. You come home, you're like, oh my God. What just happened? The sun came up. Look what it said. Look at your Bible. It says persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake. So Satan brings persecution and affliction to try to separate you from the word of God. Write it down, mark it in your head. It happens to everybody. Nobody's exempt from it. He brings it to try to separate you. And please do not believe the erroneous, unscriptural teaching that persecution and affliction comes to make you a better Christian. That's not what Jesus said. Yeah, but Dr. Ding Dong on the radio, I don't care what Dr. Ding Dong said. Jesus said that it comes to separate you from the word. It arises for the word's sake, right? To put pressure on you, to get you to quit coming to church, quit reading your Bible. Pastor, that doesn't happen. Happens every day. Every day. I had a guy in church with me last weekend that said to me, I've been here in six months. I said, why? Were you out of town? No. He said, I got angry at God. So you quit coming to church. See, to me, that's like you're sick, you're coughing up a lung, but you won't go to the doctor. Well, I don't like the doctor. I don't have to like him. Just help me. Wow. Wow. This makes no sense. Hmm. Makes no sense. But people do things like that all the time. I read an article yesterday, a lady who has a baby, a, a little kid that's, that's diagnosed a diabetic. And the lady's mother won't quit feeding the kid candy. The kid is a diagnosed diabetic and the grandmother keeps feeding the kid candy. What? I'm just telling you, you wouldn't be seeing my kid anymore. Man, I'm the grandmother. Yeah, but you're jacked up. <laughs> Amen. Some of you are like, I'm glad you're not my son, Charles. You probably are. All right, let me give you the rest of the definitions. All right, here we go, real quick, five minutes. Affliction, pressure due to circumstances, narrowness of room, trouble comes, anguish, distress, necessity, tribulation. All of that comes, right? And then comes with persecution, hostility of enemies. This happens to a lot of people. And if the word doesn't take root in you, you're not gonna be able to, you're not gonna make it through, right? 
It happens. Write this down, Christian people. Those who especially they're new in church. You know, you receive the word. The word is bearing fruit in your life, but you haven't taken the time. I'm not faulting you. I'm trying to help you. You haven't taken the time to dig those rocks out of your ground yet. So you still have those rocks of old attitudes, old thinking, old relationship, whatever it is that's stopping the word from penetrating your life at the depth that it needs to. And now the heat comes, right? People that used to not be your enemy suddenly becomes your enemy. They become your enemy. People you work with suddenly despise you. Why? <laughs> this is going to shock you when I tell you this because you've decided to have a 30, 60, 100 life. Amen. And now, instead of going, wow, can I go on this journey with you? They're mad at you because you're not willing to live the hard-hearted life. I know, I've been there. A lot of other people have too. And then the Bible tells us we got to pray for them. I'll pray for them. Open the earth and swallow them. That's a scriptural prayer. You did it a couple times. And we all run out and sing hallelujah, hallelujah, right? Don't encourage me. Okay. Now I got to get to this. So, so, so seeing here what happens, right? So Satan tries to use persecution and affliction to drive you away from the word. So you don't take the time to dig the rocks out. So you can't become good ground. He doesn't want you to be good ground. Now, here's the, the last thing he uses on you. You become offended. You become offended or you begin to live an offended life. You become offended. Now, write this down, right? Get this, please. This is really good, right? So it's a very interesting word, the word offended in, in the New Testament. The word offended is like a progressive definition. It's like a metamorphosis, an evolution, okay? You start here and you end there. But what's interesting is you start on one road and then it comes to a fork and it can go one of two ways. Let me show you what I mean. Now, the, the starting of the road is you become first displeased. You become displeased. Hmm, something goes on in church that displeases you. Something goes on in your relationship with God displeases you. Something goes on with another Christian displeases you. Something goes on with your spouse that displeases you. You become displeased. If you don't deal with that displeasure, you become resentful. It morphs into resentment. Hmm? Seen it? I bet you have. Right? You're displeased, and then over time, you become resentful. If you don't deal with that, that's when the road forks, and one, you'll go one of two ways. One you'll go back to your sinful ways. You go back to your sinful ways. You go back to the mud, you go back to the vomit. <clears throat> or, maybe even worse, you become bitter. You become bitter. The dictionary defines bitterness as intense hostility become intensely hostile. 
Now, this doesn't happen. Takes a little time. Okay? Okay? My family, to live an offended life is a terrible way to live. It is absolutely terrible. Now, last week I went through and I gave you all of the definitions of where the word hard-hearted appeared and what they meant. I'm going to do that now with you for, with offended. Are you ready? All the ways that it manifests. You might want to write this down. Okay? Here we go. Are you ready? Because we don't want this. Can I hear a good amen today? Don't want that. I don't want this anywhere near my life. Whoo! I don't want this anywhere near my life. Okay. Any of you ever known people that live bitter lives? Any of you have any bitter people around you? Know anybody that's bitter? Do you enjoy being with them? Do they have a lot of friends? They almost have to pay people to come see them. Okay, here we go. Real quick, let me go through the definitions. It's terrible to live an offended life. A displeased, resentful, bitter life. Here, here, are, here are the ways offended manifest in the Bible. Number one, you're provoked. Now, all of us get provoked at some level, right? Things happen. But most people just deal with it for a few seconds and move on. In offended life, you wake up provoked. Amen. No matter what anybody does, you're provoked. You're ready to fly off. You're ready to give it to them. You're ready. Hmm? Provoked. Second, you're always being insulted and you are always insulting. You're easily insulted. Hmm? Have you ever had somebody say this to you? You got mad about that? Seriously? Really? You've gone from zero to a hundred over that you're living an offended life. You are living an offended life. Or have people said this to you? Why are you always insulting people? Now here's the, word, the, here, here's the lie the offended life hides behind. Are you ready? Well, I'm just real. I'm just real. I just say what I think. Now, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Hmm? No, you're not real. You're offended. You're offended. I'm real, but I'll tell you right now, I go out of my way not to insult people. Are we learning anything? Angry. Angry. Now, all of us get angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. So all of us get angry, but most of us just deal with it. You get angry for a few seconds, you get over it. Can I hear a good amen today, right? We, we get over it. I'm not, he's not talking about that. He's talking about that angry is your lifestyle. These are the guys you see on the freeway pounding on their steering wheels, flipping people off, trying to ram up behind people, cutting people back off on the road, shaking their fists at them, yelling at them, pulling their guns out. What is wrong with you? Not you, the 1230. 
What is wrong with, what is wrong with them? Hmm? And can I, and if it does, and if it does happen to be you, maybe you're sitting here today, what are you showing your kids behind you in the car? What is wrong with you? You know what's wrong with you? You got rocks in your heart. Or as my dad used to say, you got rocks in your head. <laughs> and he was more accurate than he realized. Right? Angry. Annoyed. Now all of us get annoyed. But we deal with it. It's momentary. He's not talking about it. He's talking about lifestyle. Unpleasant. Displeased. Just can't make you happy. You can't, not, you, just, you just can't, nothing can make you happy. Nothing can make you happy. I, you know, I was coming through security the other day. Where was I coming back from? Where have I been? I was coming back from Europe and I was in security and there was a guy in front of me and he was right in front of me and we came down the line and some of the people went this way to go through immigration and some of the people went this way to go through immigration. So the, the guard said, go this way. So I went this way and this guy was in front of me with another guy and he was going nuts over a guy in another line. And he was cussing and he was angry. And I was standing there and the guy was talking to the guy in front of me and the guy in front of me was like looking back at me like. <laughs> but somehow, some way, he got offended of some guy over here in this line. And you know what he ended up saying? He goes, I hope you break your ankle. <laughs> and the whole line went. I'm telling you, he was right in front of me. Nothing happened, but it did to him. It did to him. And I loved when the immigration officers walked over and said, sir, not another word. I thought, please say something. Because <laughs> it'll be one last person in line and I can get through sooner, amen. <laughs> All right, here we go. Are you catching what I'm talking about? This, here's a couple more. Exasperated. Does that not define many people in our society today? Exasperated. <sighs> Can't you see them all the time, right? Amen. I've been in this drive-thru for two minutes. We're laughing. Terrible way to live. Almost done. Critical. Have you ever had anybody look at you and say, why are you so critical? Why are you critical all the time? You know what you're living? You're living an offended life. Wake up. Don't let the devil keep robbing you. Ask God to help you. Can I hear a good amen today? Almost done. Hurtful. 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 You ever have, ever have people look at you and say, why do you hurt so many? Why do you hurt us all the time? Why do you always insist on hurting us? Why do you hurt the kids? Why do you hurt me? Why do you want to hurt us all the time? You're living an offended life. Here's another one, unthankful. Offended people are unthankful people. Never hear them say thank you. Hold the door open, they walk right by you. You do something for you? Offended people are unthankful people. Almost done. Destructive to others. Destructive to others. Here's the last one. Verbally abusive. 
Why do you say such hurtful words to us? Why do you say such mean things to us? Why do you call us names? Hmm? That's an offended life. And it's stopping you from bearing fruit. Your life is stuck. I got to stop. Stand to your feet with me. Did you learn anything good today? Amen. Amen. Let's pray real quick and I'll let you go. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to get the rocks out. Help us to get the rocks out. Can I hear a good amen on that? Help us to get the rocks out. Show them to us and help us to get the rocks out because we want to be good ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all. See you Wednesday night. God bless. Be safe. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.